Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. Make yourself at home. Hey there, and thanks so much for listening in today. I'm Rachel, and I'm grateful you are here. Whether it is your first time listening, or you've been hanging out with me via email, Instagram, or Facebook groups for a few years, welcome. This podcast is a place to find clarity and calm in a hectic world that only seems to be growing more hectic. Whether you are bike riding, or commuting to work, or washing dishes, let's untangle life a bit together, shall we? Today's episode is about finding perspective when life is hard. I'm not talking about which drink to order at Starbucks kind of hard, although in my heart of hearts I feel like it would be so much easier just to say small, medium, and large. (laughs) Anyone else? But seriously, there are a lot of difficult things in this world, things like discouragement, depression, divorce, disease, and death. Stay away from words that start with D. If only that could have been learned on Sesame Street. When circumstances, situations, or relationships are complicated, then life is like a ball of knots. Everything in our minds gets jumbled together. We can have trouble communicating and difficulty separating our emotions. Our lives become tangled and we struggle with our humanity. If only things didn't have to be so difficult. I've said that to myself many, many times in the last two decades. For those of you who aren't familiar with my story, I walked through divorce in my early 20s. Praise the Lord, I've since been married to my Matthew for 21 years. In 2000, I lost my mom to cancer. And shortly after that, my sweet special needs daughter, Taylor, was diagnosed with a rare metabolic disorder. As a result, she suffered from a gradual neurological decline, losing skill by skill until she graduated to heaven on January 2nd, 2019. I share all of that to explain that I've examined a few knots on the rope of life. They are gnarly. What do you do when you can't remove the problems and you have to walk through them instead? How do you gain perspective? Dictionary.com defines the word perspective as the state of one's ideas. I would maybe take that a step further and say it's more than just the state of one's ideas. Collectively, it's the state of one's mind. When life is challenging, the state of our ideas or thoughts, our mind is challenging too. So we look at a knot, a problematic situation or circumstance, and our perspective is almost immediately negative. We see the knot of divorce, and our perspective becomes one of self-doubt and rejection. We see the knot of disease, and our perspective becomes one of discouragement. There are those D words again. So how do we find a good, strong perspective when life is hard? How can we sculpt the state of our minds not to be in denial, but to be in acceptance, yet hopeful? Learning how to hold on to hope in hard times is critical. The stronger our grip on hope, the stronger we become in general. When my husband and I spoke in a church a few months ago, the most frequent question we had after the message was, does it get any easier? The question was directed towards our difficulty in coping with the loss of our daughter. And I said this on some of the other podcasts for which I've been a guest. Friend, if you've lost a child... I personally don't think it gets any easier. I don't believe that time really heals all wounds, as the saying goes, until we get to eternity in heaven. 
But despite it not getting any easier on this planet, I do believe you can grow stronger. Whether you're not is grief, pain, or broken relationship, or financial struggle, learning how to hold on to hope in the darkest places of life defines the future. How? It determines the thought pattern we choose to repeat, and the repetition of our thought patterns is what forms our mindset. In her book, Switch on Your Brain, Dr. Caroline Leaf says it this way, As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Hmm, that sounds a little like Romans 12 too to me. In the New Living Translation, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you catch that? By changing the way you think. Changing the way you choose to think when times are hard can feel impossible. But I believe it starts with the smallest of choices because that's how I've seen it work in my own life. Let's tackle a few of those tiny everyday choices. Are you with me? Small choice number one. Keep an eye out for something, anything to be thankful for. One beautiful summer day years ago, I felt cooped up in the house caring for Taylor while she was sick. And I looked out the window at the bright sunshine and thought, okay, I have a choice here. I can be sad that I'm not out in the sunshine, or I can be happy that the sun is shining in through the window. The sun was out either way, right? Every time I recognize a moment of this nature, I've added gratitude to the mix. And wow, how God uses that. You know, there were occasions when my kiddos were small and we struggled to make ends meet. Our home of 18 years had a very small pantry and there were a few times that it was fairly empty. We learned how to rely on God's provision back then. And because I never wanted to forget, when we moved in our new home a year and a half ago, I posted a simple sign over the pantry door. It says, thankful. Since my husband hasn't been working for four months, I've experienced some feelings of scarcity as a mother. I know you have to know what I'm talking about. It's just times where I felt like there wasn't quite enough to go around. But I've kept a blessing journal, and the way God has provided for our family through these last four months has been outrageous. If you missed podcast episode four, could someone tell God I'm mad at him, and you'd like to hear one of those only God could do that sort of stories, then make sure you go back and take a listen. But the point is, if we can train ourselves to count the blessings and not the burdens, then our brain is trained to think hope, not harm. Number two, speaking of hope, that brings us to the second choice. Face the music if you want to change your tune. Changing the way we think means taking the time to face our thoughts. As a pianist, I can't change the song I'm playing if I don't know the notes. The individual notes are what collectively make the music. Sometimes you just have to look at your circumstances and say out loud, this really stinks. Sweeping it under the rug will not help. Trying to have a false positive attitude has made me fall flat before. I've learned it's best not to try to rush through the reality of what is happening. And that's all what all of us want to do, isn't it? I used to pray, God, if you'll just hurry up and show me what it is you want me to learn from Taylor's disease, then I'll learn it. Imagine, I wanted to scurry on through a terminal illness. 
There was no rushing through the journey of gradual neurological degeneration. It was an extremely slow decline, and there were a lot of lessons to be learned along the way. Recognizing the depth of pain is the first step in knowing where you want to go, whether the pain ends or not. Another way to say this might be embrace the journey. I know, way easier said than done. I'm not saying you have to embrace pain and do nothing about it. I'm saying look at dead in the eye and calculate your approach to handling it. For me, that meant recognizing the awfulness of the circumstances and bearing my grief before the Lord. It meant learning to lean on God in prayer. It meant reaching out to others in the midst of pain and trying to build a strong support system. It meant figuring out a way to stay connected to family and friends when obstacles are present. And I think the third choice, the hardest choice, the one that the enemy tries to do everything he can to prevent us from making, is to ultimately surrender to God's plan for this hard space. Stormy O'Mardian talks about this hard surrender in her book, Just Enough Light for the Step I'm On. And she says it this way, Dying to our dreams is not fun, it's painful, especially if our identity is wrapped up in them. But we have to do what God asks of us. And we have to have a right attitude in the process or it's meaningless. The greatest breakthroughs in my life always came after a time of surrendering everything to God. I literally prostrated myself before him with my face in the carpet and said, God, I release everything to you and I freely give you permission to take out of my life what is not of you. I've done that with my children, my relatives, my friends, my work, my possessions, and my aspirations. It's difficult to say those words and mean them, but when we do, the rewards are great. She goes on to say, We want to do something that feels good and right to us. God wants our dreams to be for Him. He wants us to do what we do for His glory. Even if you're certain God has given you a vision or a dream for your future, He will still ask you to surrender it to Him so thoroughly that you will think, It's as good as dead. Those words, as good as dead, caught my attention because last week in mine and my husband's small group, we discussed Hebrews 11, 12. You know, Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith chapter and Abraham's story is explained in a nutshell there. Listen to verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. See, God had promised Abraham those innumerable descendants, but before he gave them to Abraham, he took Abraham on a journey of learning to surrender. It was a long journey of years and years, decades from the time God promised him generations until he actually gave him a son to begin birthing these descendants. And my point is that in this passage, it says Abraham was as good as dead. I believe just what Stormy said is so true that even if you're certain that God's given you a vision or dream for your future, he will ask you to surrender it so thoroughly that you think it's as good as dead. You know why? That's when his resurrection power is displayed in our lives. Where would the miracles be if our own dreams didn't die first? You may know that I wrote an entire book on the topic of not giving up. But tucked away in chapter 15 is a section called, When Giving Up is Good. This kind of giving up is the same complete and total surrender to God that I just read from Stormy's book. 
Listen for a moment. When the diagnosis was issued that Taylor's projective lifespan would be 10 to 15 years, I looked down at her little pigtails and I had a dream. I dreamed that one day she would walk across a platform and receive her high school diploma. Graduation day, isn't it the pinnacle of the teen years? Doesn't everyone have this dream for their child? And in spite of disease and in spite of her diagnosis, my dream for my girl was that she would graduate from high school. Maybe not with honors or accolades or scholarships, but just the ability to walk and receive a piece of paper that signified she had lived her life to the fullest for the school years allotted to her. Each day, she put one foot in front of the other and took one more step. Since Taylor hasn't been well enough to attend school, at this point, we were forced to let a dream die. Due to state regulations and stipulations, I had to make the choice to unenroll Taylor from school. We will never see that dream of Taylor receiving a high school diploma come to fruition. It's a very hard mama place to be. To be honest, Taylor doesn't care. She doesn't know and it does not hurt her feelings because she doesn't understand. It's a strange feeling to be thankful that your child doesn't have enough cognitive ability to know when she's being deprived of a simple joy. The Lord kept me awake last night because I felt him impressing on my heart that you too have big dreams and big goals for your life and your children. There's nothing wrong with those big dreams and plans and goals, except that sometimes they are not part of his plan. If we never get to the point of raising the white flag and surrender to God, then we miss the opportunity to see his glorious plan of redemption unfold. Without yielding ourselves to him, we miss out on being free from the past. I'm stubborn, so for me it's a process. But giving the past up to God is so much better than missing out on the beauty of tomorrow. I refuse to allow yesterday to define my look today. I'd miss a huge opportunity to see what God wants to do right now and in the days ahead if I didn't give MPS up to God. As I've shared about untangling hope and learning how to have perspective in the hard spaces of life, I want to make sure you walk away knowing that I'm not sugarcoating your difficulties. When you've watched your baby girl's body be carried to an unmarked van and taken to a morgue, then you lose the ability to sugarcoat anything in life. But I want you to know that God has a plan, and when we can make a few small choices to surrender our plans to His and try to align our perspective with His, then He resurrects what seems as good as dead. There have been a lot of knots our families faced over the last two decades. Gosh, many of them were tied too tightly for me to untangle. I would grab onto the issue and wrestle it to the ground, trying to loosen things up and untangle the problem. Only there was no way I would ever be strong enough to release the knot. The situation was totally outside of my control. But make no mistake, God can take the biggest, most twisted messes and create a beautiful masterpiece. It might not be something we can feel with our hands or see with our eyes even right now, but oh, how beautiful. Not every knot is a tangle. What looks like a knot to us is actually a place to learn how to hold his hand. And that, my friends, is today's thread of hope. Each episode of Untangling Life concludes with a segment called On My Desk. 
This week on my desk, I have the resources I've mentioned in this podcast, and they will be included in the show notes. First up, the book Just Enough Light for the Step I'm On by Stormy O'Mardian, a wonderful book on the topic of trusting God in tough times. Secondly, One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up, a book that will point your heart toward everlasting hope. Also on my desk this week, though not mentioned in this podcast episode, Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud, The Employees, Businesses, and Relationships We All Give Up in Order to Move Forward. I'm about four chapters in on that book. It is fabulous. And also on my desk, Rest for the Weary, a 31-day Bible reading plan and journal that calls you to build a cadence of calmness no matter the chaos. Also on my desk, my very favorite large print purple leather bound NIV Bible. If you're interested to take a look, all of these links will be in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to subscribe. For show notes and free resources, visit rachelwojo.com. See you again soon. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.